Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, January 18th, 2022. Only 11 and a half months until Christmas. That's Ian Ferguson. Shut up. I'm Pat Contry. <laughs> On the show today, what are we talking about? A, a, a big acquisition. It might be huge news. Uh, we'll big, t- big! Uh, wow. Well, we'll be talking maybe about a, state, a statement of facts. Uh, YouTubers like this is stolen. Maybe including uh, yours truly in some way. Uh, NFT madness. Uh, the return of the scumbag sub of the week. It's oh, yeah. wow. Uh, Ian. Uh, we we talked about what we'll you did this weekend. A little bit about what I did this weekend on the uh, exclusive uh, Patreon CU podcast. Terms of uh, getting out patreon.com dot CU podcast. We talked about all about Liberty Station. You went to had fun there. Yeah. Other than that, I uh, I watched the thing again. You really got to I got to watch. You got to make me a promise that this is the year that you will watch the thing. Yeah, it's our Carpenter Kurt Russell swap. So you finally watched Big Trouble in China. I got to watch the thing. I've seen parts of it. I just never sat down. Is it not? Is it streaming? Uh, no. Uh, no, I don't think so. We, um. We I found a, a Ultra HD 4K transfer of it, and we watched Ultra that. HD. Yeah, 4K. it was fucking glorious. Is that working your PS4, or is that a? You know, I, it was player? a digital file. I just streamed it from my PC to my TV. Okay. I it was totally legal Shh. on the up and up. Uh, FBI warning. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I think I think I have to call it. I, I, is it one of your favorite movies? I, I have to call it. It's in my top ten. It, it may just, be my number one. You just love uh, Carpenter. I do. I really do. It when like I think you about like it, yeah. Um, when I think about it, it really is just all Carpenter movies that I, <laughs> I uh, enjoy I've, the most. I haven't seen the Taking of Pelham One Two Three. I haven't seen that. Frank Frank likes that one. Or they did a remake of it like fifteen years ago. I think. I haven't seen that. Um, yeah, Chris Carpenter is a good 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 director. John Carpenter. Oh, Chris Carpenter. Who's Chris Carpenter? Is there a Chris Carpenter? Is that a is that a is that is that this pitcher? Yeah, it's the baseball pitcher. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's the Cardinals pitcher. That's right. He retired. Um, what did you do this? Oh, uh, what did I do? What uh, did you do? Oh, and I I'm sorry. Blah, 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 blah. I watched the fucking Buffalo Bills destroy the fucking Patriots. Holy shit! Was that a football game? I watched that whole game. That was just. That was wild. Would it only been better if it was Brady stolen the team? <laughs> I don't care because the forty-seven to seventeen. That's a that's a shellacking as it's called. The first perfect offense game. That is what they were calling perfect it. Perfect offense. Oh, there was uh, no turnovers. They didn't punt it. No punts. No field goals. They, it's the only time in history it's ever been done, and they scored. No the, way. Yeah. Every single possession. Yes, except for the end when they kneeled. There was no field goals. No field goals, no punts, no turnovers. And only 47? Well, I guess that they're long drives, so that's how many touchdowns is that? They got seven touchdowns on their first seven drives. They got a touchdown how, per drive. How come they didn't get 49? Did they go for two? They missed, they missed an extra point. So it was really winning 48 then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They missed so an it's extra. Not perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's what I said. But people are not. They're not treating. They're it like not. That. They're not treating because it that the drive way. still scored. Yeah, the wow. drive still scored. That had never been done in the history of football, from what they know. Yeah, it, 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 at least at least it hasn't been done since 1940. Holy shit! And that's awesome. and the previous record for scoring on consecutive drives was five. They beat it by two with F- seven. Five touchdowns in a row. Five touchdowns. Five game. possessions. They did it seven touchdowns. Seven possessions. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
Wow. That Chiefs was... is going to be a tough game, but if they bring that fucking level of play... That's going to be a good game. That's a, that's, that's a Super Bowl team. That's a good game. Well, well, Ian, don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo needs to get ahead of themselves. Oh, that's yeah. what we do. Uh, I, I know you love I, it. But I also said the, if they play that game. I know you love it, but I was won't. hearing about the Bills Mafia all this week. Oh, yeah. We know we love that moniker. I, just, I hate that term. But whatever. Go Bills. <laughs> go Bills. Go jump on a go jump on a table. Go jump through a table. I don't understand what that concerns how people haven't gotten killed doing that. One guy did the, I think that's why Macho Man was trending, because some guy did a Macho Elbow off of like 15 feet off a truck mm-hmm. onto a plastic table, and it's like, what yep. if people are going to smash their head on the concrete eventually? Oh, but it's all good, drunk, and fun, right? So what did I do? I worked on a flea market madness. That'll be out within a week. Um, we're, we're up to 2016. We're into early 2016. Oh, yeah. speaking, of, speaking, we talked about the Civil, uh, Captain America Civil War uh, on the exclusive podcast a little bit. Um, and I, I got a couple – Not to, I'm going to tease it. I got a couple of really good deals. I don't remember any of the shit that I bought, obviously. But I did get a lot of, of uh, video games for like 40 bucks, 50 bucks. That was nowadays worth over 400 uh, six years later. Back then, it probably was worth over 400 but it was probably worth at least a couple, two, 250 So it's like, okay, I, I still found a good deal somehow six years ago. That was the beginning of the end for sure. It was getting tougher to find stuff. Getting tough, yeah. Out there, other than that, what did I do? I don't know what else I did. I don't know. I was getting over the sniffles. Um, GDQ raised three point four million for Prevent Cancer. That's insane. The, the speed running charity event, uh, which was one our week. They, they it runs for days. Um. Oh yeah, week long, twenty four hours. That's like that's okay. They never stop. No, it's they, insane. It gets handed off person to person. Three point four million for Prevent Cancer Foundation, the most they ever raised in, the, in its history. There you go. That's fantastic. It was from on Twitch from January 9th to sixteenth. Speedrunners around the world showed off their incredible skills for a good cause. This is the IGN recap. Uh, uh, there was a few world records broken that week. Uh, there was a game called uh, Kina Bridge of Spirits record was broken. A Pumpkin Jack record was broken. And then a game called Webbed, there was a there was a record broken. It's exciting to see uh, records uh, being broken when the people do this. It's very exciting. Uh, I, I just don't keep track of this stuff. I just can't. It's, no, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a lot to keep track of. But whenever whenever someone talks about like uh, Carl Jobs will do a video like talking about a new world record, it is fascinating to see like the evolution of some of these world records, especially like in you know in like Quake, for example. Oh sure. It's 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 you just see like the new strategies that develop or in Doom, and it's like oh it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting to see that. I've looked up Pumpkin Jack, and it is a 3D action game where you play a pumpkin man with a gun. Okay. Pumpkin Jack. I'd play it. You'd play it. Are you going to be playing any uh, Activision Blizzard stuff in the future? Uh, maybe. I, I haven't been playing. I, 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 uh, I mean, they're not owned anymore by the same people. <laughs> they're not owned by themselves anymore. Sorry. Uh, just going to stumble over my words here. Uh, <laughs> I, try to, this was, I try to give you a hand. This was, this was new news from this morning. Is, uh, is new it, news. Is it just it's new? The, it's the new news. It's big, big news. Big, big. Um, this qualifies. This is huge. Um, yeah. 67 Billion greenbacks, Simoleons, 68 million. A, a beer, a mere bag of shells, cheddar chips, uh, the lettuce, the crisp lettuce, the fresh lettuce. Uh, Microsoft is now the owner of Activision Blizzard. Um, 
Where to start on my feelings here? <laughs> uh, my feelings? How do you feel? In uh, therapy? How do you feel about this acquisition, Ian? I think it's great that uh, it's not owned by Bobby Kotick anymore. Um, well, he didn't own it. He was the CEO. It. Yeah. Um, uh, new management is obviously going to be good for it. Oh, oh yes. Uh, very, oh, yes. very good for it. Um, I don't know a lot about Microsoft corporate culture, so I'm going to refrain from saying anything. But it's I, I would hope it's got to be a fair bit better than Activision Blizzard's corporate culture. I, yeah, I, I don't think it could be worse. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, you think it would be better. I mean, it, it's one it's one of the largest organizations in the world. Yeah, and it's also uh, one of those just nowhere nowhere to go but up sort of things. Yes. Um, especially especially since they've been in the, such in the news the past months, this, this deals like this usually take several months to go through, if not longer. So they're probably watching this stuff like, this could be bad for us, but if the stock price goes down, we don't pay as much to get the company. So like, but they're gonna, I would think they're gonna clean house on uh, the corporate level. Watching the uh, foot soldiers in the console wars out there goring each other in the trenches with bayonets over this though. Not so great. It's not good when one company owns the majority of something. It's never good. It's never, ever good for what you're into. And correct, I don't own an Xbox, but I have a gaming laptop with Microsoft Game Pass on it. So this is not a fanboyism thing here. I like Microsoft Game Pass. I like what they do. It's not good. And you're fucking insane if you think that Call of Duty is going to become a system exclusive. They're not going to give away that money. Okay, you went in different areas there. Okay, so you have the the potential of exclusivity of more of these titles. Yes, on Microsoft side, I think yeah, it would be insane for franchises like like Call of Duty to become exclusive to Microsoft because they would lose so much money. They're not going to make up the, the the console sales in terms of the loss of the software sales if they if sign on Sony consoles. That's it. Yeah, they're not stupid. Remember, Microsoft. We say this for we, you and I are not. We've been saying this for years now. Microsoft has positioned themselves as a software company. Right. Exactly. They, they don't care where you play their shit as long as you play their shit because they're they making care. money. They don't care if it's on Game Pass. There they don't are care lots of Xbox. They don't care. There are lots of Microsoft Computer? fans out there who want them to buy all this stuff up and lock it up just no. for their favorite no. system. No, and that's not how it works. No, not in this day and age. No. Microsoft has taken the smart route in the console war, if you want to call that. They've taken the smart route. They've eaten Sony's lunch. Because they said it's not about selling consoles anymore. Just I like Microsoft. In a lot of ways, I like Microsoft in the game world because uh, I don't have to go out and buy their new system yes. to play their games. Sony, I still have to go buy their system I, to play their exclusive. They're starting to slowly get some of that stuff on there, but like, um, you know, I, I, you know, like they, they're starting to put Horizon Zero Dawn and some of those games on there, but. Not all of them are, and for instance, if I wanted to play, um, still kind of interested in that like Demon's Souls remake, that's an exclusive. You know what I mean? I, I, that never got a PC release. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's good that one company is basically buying up everything yeah. and controlling it, because they can do stuff like that. This is what they're going to own. This is the Eurogamer uh, article from Tom Phillips, deputy editor. This is uh, the, by far the largest ever seen in video games. This acquisition and the largest in Microsoft history means Microsoft will own blockbuster franchises such as Call of Duty, Spyro, I don't know if that's blockbuster, Guitar Hero, that's pretty big, Crash Bandicoot, and Tony Hawk, World of Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, Hearthstone, and Starcraft from Blizzard, as well as Candy Crush from Mobile Arm King. So they're, automatically now they have a huge fucking mobile empire that yeah. they bought into, Microsoft. 
So this is really, when you think about it, they don't have to worry about it. They just, I mean, Candy Crush is what, probably arguably one of the biggest mobile games out there. Yeah. That whole empire. So now they got that in their portfolio for Microsoft. It'll be exclusive Candy Crush to Xbox. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's big. We're talking, it's a 10,000 employees that they, they, they now acquire. Uh, unfortunately, with acquisitions, there are always layoffs. So sure. it'll be uh, keeping my eye on that. Yeah, well. but, 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 but the, the positive, it'll probably start with their board of directors. <laughs> I don't think they're going to stick around. Sure. I don't think no. Bobby and Crew's going to stick around. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Absolutely um, not. Until this transaction closes, they'll continue to operate independently, uh, Phil Spencer said. Once a deal is complete, Activision, the Activision Blizzard business will report to me as CEO. Microsoft Gaming. They also said Bobby Kotick will continue to serve as CEO of Activision Blizzard, and he and his team will maintain their focus on driving efforts to further strengthen the company's culture Mm. and accelerate business growth. I have a feeling that that's not going to stay true. Once the deal closes, Ah. the Activision Blizzard business will report to Phil Spencer, CEO, Microsoft Gaming. So this is they're going to transition them out. Once the, these things take months to close, they have, uh, regulators look this stuff over. All teams of lawyers that go through this again, uh, you know, they might go through the Department of Justice to make sure this isn't, you know, an, like a, a monopoly thing. I don't think it would qualify as monopoly, but they'll probably look at it because it's such a huge freaking deal. Um, as a company, this is what they also tweeted this out because they obviously they recognize all the turbulence that's been going on with with the with the. Uh, sexual discrimination and uh, harassment stuff happening. As a company, Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming among both employers and employees and players. We deeply value individual studio cultures. We also believe that creative success and autonomy go hand in hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. We hold all teams and leaders to this commitment. We're looking forward to extending our culture of proactive inclusion to the great teams across Activision Blizzard. So I take, I take that as not only uh, treating people with respect, but also we will we will hopefully be a little hands off when it comes to these smaller studios. We're not going to over, look over their shoulder every second, you right? Know? So uh, Jason Schreier t- uh, tweeted out. I'm paraphrasing that this might be positive in terms of like not everything that goes on now between these companies has to be a huge fucking multi billion dollar game. This could allow for some medium sized games to be I mean, smaller games. I, yeah, and that would be great. I would love to see. <laughs> I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen, but I would love to see more. Well, I've always talked about double A games. We we completely lost those in the in in the PS4 Xbox One generation, and we're losing it. We're losing even more of that in this current generation. Everything is either small indie style budget games or massive, massive. Well, you know they've acquired Rare and they've let them do a little bit of their own thing, or haven't they? Microsoft. Don't know. Honestly, I don't follow Rare. I'm not a huge fan of Rare, but you know. They've had the, the Killer Instinct games, and uh, you know these aren't huge. Yeah, I mean they games. made that new Battletoads, although I don't think Rare actually did that. I think I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what developer did. I'm sure Rare licensed it, but but all right. Well, either way, either way, it's good that some bad people are going to be out of work that, that enabled all this behavior for the past years. But no, this you you I would be shocked if if something like Call, the Call of Duty franchise was exclusive to Xbox consoles. Yeah, that, that that doesn't that doesn't make any sense at all to do that. No, I mean we're, you're, you would talk. And people who want that are children. You're talking a loss of <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. Like you can't you can't do that. Yep. Or what amounts to like ports of stuff. Like you can't. 
you can't do that. And, and it's yeah. like when people are like, oh, well, they'll buy consoles. And they don't make their money on consoles. It's a fucking hassle, especially before, the, even before the pandemic. It's a fucking hassle making consoles. This is why Microsoft was brilliant, didn't realize it. They, they set themselves up for the Game Pass up even before the pandemic that they're selling the software. They're selling Ian Game Pass. I, I considered, if I had the time, I would have bought a Series S and got Game Pass for it. I would have said, hey, that's worth 300 bucks and get Game Pass to it's play a, these games. It's a great deal for a person like yeah. me who rarely finishes any game but wants to try lots of games. Yes. You don't feel like you got taken for a ride uh, buying uh, several $50, $60 games every the, year you never finish. The worst thing you have to worry about is like a game leaves Game Pass and it's like, well, then you buy it if you really like it yes. or you hurry up. But like, yeah. if, if you don't have to play like a specific game, if you just want to play games, there's always something to fucking play on Game Pass. There you go. All right. Well, we'll see what happens here. Uh, a more important uh, news, Ian, much more important. Mm. To me. This is big news to me. Uh, Pac-Man pork belly bunts. God damn, are, they look thick. They're cute and they look tasty. Um, so these are like bow style buns. I love um, bow style buns. I just had some this weekend, in fact. Uh, so basically, they take like the, the, that fluffy, delicious uh, bun. Um, and there's, you know, the steam buns that, you know, it's completely encased and they have those cute little swirls on top. And then there's the bow style buns where they just take, you know, the soft, delicious bun. Cut they it in half, it. or they slice it, cut it in half, or they just put everything on right. it and fold it, and you eat it like a, a bun taco, essentially. What is it usually made out of bao bun? What's, what's... I think it's uh, largely rice flour. It's rice flour? Because yeah. it, it does taste different. Because it's wheat. very chewy, or and it's, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, I think it's largely rice flour. And uh, the Pac-Man one is simply uh, that, but yellow, with pork belly on the inside, and his two little eyes, and it's... Uh. It's stunning. The eyes are also Pac-Man themselves, it looks like, yes. with indentation. So I will say this. I am so pro any Pac-Man merchandise we've discussed. <laughs> yeah. Pac-Man is the, the finest uh, mascot ever created because he's cute and cuddly simple. and simple yep. and adorable and yellow. And you and, can shoehorn and, him, as, as, as they have shown, as Namco has shown, you can shoehorn him into anything. And he likes to eat. Yeah. And who doesn't like to eat? Pre-Kirby was Pac-Man. You know, who loves to eat stuff and inhale things. Um, the greatest and and almost shares an, ex- an exact birth date with me. Uh, so <laughs> it's like a week and a half off from when I was born uh, when Pac-Man came out. So I love that. Uh, it's adorable. It's cuddly. I wish I could buy this and 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 just and just display it without it going rotten in a year. I so wish I could do that. One of the things that I added to my Pac-Man collection, Ian. I uh, I wish I could eat these, but it says that they are uh, Japan only. Um, they are, it doesn't say what restaurant, uh, Nagas- oh, okay. Uh, the Nagasaki Kakuni Manju, um, uh, is the name of the restaurant. I'm just surprised that they didn't find a way to serve these here. Pac-Man is so popular in the U S I think I've talked about that here before. It's not that they don't sell Pac-Man stuff in Japan, but he's, I think more popular here, here than he is in Japan because there's, there's, all sorts of Pac-Man merchandise that doesn't even get released in Japan. There was uh, those Pac-Man Tamagotchis. I've got one. Um, and I don't think that was... I remember they may have been released in Japan by now, but when it came out, it was a U.S. exclusive. It's weird to see a character get more popular in a different country than his country of origin. And it's weird to see it be maintained when there's not a lot of Pac-Man games that you know, come out that are, like, popular. They, they, they've been out on like almost every console, but they're, they're never insanely popular. They're popular enough to keep people knowing about Pac-Man. 42 years later, you still know about Pac-Man. That's what's so amazing about I, it. It's, think- it's, like an, it's like an exception. It's like an accepted thing. Or it's like it's, it's probably 
people say, well, Mario's more recognizable than, than Mickey Mouse. Pac-Man might be more recognizable than, than Mario. Maybe. I mean, we look at uh, all the people that and how big he was the first gaming icon. We've hammered that home and video game years. Well, that's it one of the insane. things I wanted to say is that I wish I was alive then to see parades, you know, featuring Pac-Man at the time. In Japan, yeah. video games came out, people grew up with them. They weren't stigmatized so much for older people. It was it was a thing that everyone enjoyed. Sure. So I think there was more exposure to more characters, therefore you know, Pac-Man is popular, but he is a, a piece of history. In the U.S., there are people who, whose who's time with video games started and ended with Pac-Man. That era, that golden age yeah, era. Yeah, so I think that, you know, that might be part of it is he's that link for a lot of American people who maybe don't play video games anymore. And then obviously people like us who do play video games recognize Pac-Man because it's fucking Pac-Man. He, he more than any other represents, video, like, intrinsically tied to the rise in popularity of video games. And, like, the the cultural explosion of video games, at least in North America, was Pac-Man. So I think we 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 will never get away from that. It's almost like a reverence of the character because of that. Now I want bows. Even to even to intermittent fasting. Even to <laughs> even to people bows. like me and you. Like when we were three, when I was like three and four, I knew about Pac-Man. You saw the video yeah. games still like in, in places. But I think there's this like reverence that we hold Pac-Man up to, and and rightfully so. Sure. How important is that? It will never be unpopular, Pac-Man. It never will be as popular as it was in 80, 81, 82, but I don't think Pac-Man will ever be unpopular. And he was popular enough to get an, I think that one, uh, and I could be wrong, but I I believe that most recent Pac-Man show, the CG one, the Pac-Man and the ghostly gobblers or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I I think that was, uh, I think that was developed and made in the U.S. as well. So he was a popular guy over here. Well, you can satisfy your craving, cravings with uh, pork belly buns or your, your, your cravings for great merchandise at UltimateNintendo.com. Uh, you, got the, you got the RBI baseball stickers. You got the, the cute patney and enamel pin, the puffy pat pixel uh, pin. You got the Not For Resale Blu-ray. You got the certain guidebooks. Have a ball. Have a blast. Uh, I'll be on Twitch. I have a correction. Last week, my Twitch was not the 100th episode. That's why Ian didn't show up. He said, I'm not showing up. It's really your 90th. He, I knew that. Yeah, he, he, Ian fact-checked me on that one. Yep. I miscounted by 10 somehow. So nine weeks from now, I'll be the 100th, uh, 100th uh, stream uh, as well. So I'll be on Twitch, twitch.tv slash country code every Wednesday. And I'm on Cameo as well, cameo.com slash Pat Country. Uh, we have our 300th episode next week. we got to decide what the hell we're doing for that. Yeah. Uh, talk about Tomb Raider and the GBA. Yeah. Tomb Raider on the GBA. Oh, oh, sorry, real quick. We gotta do I gotta do a shout out to New Wave Toys. Oh. Yeah. New Wave Toys, thank you for sending me the the nineteen forty three cabinet. The rep, you know, the replicate cabinets. So these are really nice. These are like what one sixth uh scale. They're really nice. Ian's got the Dragon's Lair one. Uh and they sent me the forty two and forty three. The uh, Dragon's Lair one wasn't sent by them. That was sent by someone else. Oh, but you have it. Yeah, I have it. It's really nice. They're they're awesome looking. Um, Metal security bar and lock. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, they, I, I like the little details they yes. add. The metal security bar and lock and tokens is cute. Like the like I I always say the Dragon's Lair one is cool because it has um, the Dragon's Lair one has a mini laser disc player and yes. a mini laser disc. Sure. That goes in the back. It's it's it has it's, the LED, nice stuff. The LED thing on top. Uh, it has the it has a recreation of the scoreboard. Yeah, yeah. That, it gives the score. It looks like the LED scoreboard. Um, and then this includes a little mini forty three stick. Oh, neat. The back compartment is black light. 
it says where, where you can store the stick. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. So, so a lot of little mini details, and they've done uh, – I wish I had some of the past ones. Like yeah, the, the centipede they centipede did. Centipede is one that I would love to get if they ever redo that one. I Tempest. would buy it in a heartbeat. I, I want to see the little mini heavy dial they use for Tempest. So thanks so much. And then, Ian, you got a, you got a, a Neo Geo pocket color uh, coat. I did. Um, I started playing a little bit last night. Uh, it is for SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash. A fantastic um, card battle game that was on the original Neo Geo Pocket Color. Uh, there was a sequel that unfortunately never made it here on the Neo Geo Pocket Color. I would love to see that somehow get a port because there are translations out there. Oh. And then there was one that they did on the DS oh. that is not nearly as fun because they changed the rules. Um, but if you like card battling, it is, uh, you know, it, it's a not so secret secret. Um, it's probably the best card battle game. Uh, for portables, Def- I would check that out. Uh, do you want to talk about GBA Tomb Raider or Atari to reinvent themselves? I want to talk about GBA Tomb Raider. That yeah, was cool as shit to see. Um, so Open Lara is an open source uh, Lara? Tomb Raider one, basically. And um, they've got it running on a Game Boy Advance. And it runs smooth, and it looks like there's enough buttons for it. And it, I need... I like... I don't have a GBA flash cart. Now, all of a sudden, I want one because I want to put Open Lara on it and see it. it it's impressive looking. All right. You can uh, borrow pets. Um, just arrived. The, uh, the smoothness is just nuts. I mean, the, the Game Boy Advance has done 3D before. Uh, there's always been some neat tricks. But to see something, uh, I mean, to see the original you know, PlayStation 1 PC game running perfectly on a GBA is just wild. I, I don't know what wild that would have taken. But it's really cool to see. Uh, who did this here? Um, was it was it was it a team effort? I think Mo- it's a team effort. A, <laughs> a, a modern X Proger uh. X Proger uploaded a clip of it, and the clip went viral. I, I didn't know this would be a, a huge deal. Ian's a GBA guy. Uh, that's great. Yeah, that's I mean, fantastic. there's nothing like that yeah. running on the Game Boy Advance. So this opened the door to other 3D games potentially. If, if, if it, obviously in theory, it's it's yeah. But, I mean. It probably extremely case by case basis. I mean, they sure. probably spent a long time optimizing this to get it to work as well as it does. I would not expect to see a ton more stuff like this, but it's just as a thing that someone went out and did because they could. I just think it's very cool to so, see. Let's see, you have four buttons. Is that enough for two? I, I played two meter. Yeah, it is centuries ago. Four it's, buttons plus your start and select. It's enough. That's all you need. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I had fun playing two meter back in the day a little bit. I, I enjoyed the first two. They're fine. I don't like killing a bunch of dogs, though. Shooting dogs. No, I mean, they, they I didn't like hold my interest for super long, but um, they, they were neat at the time. Let's kill some humans. We don't want to kill cute animals. I haven't really seen anything like it. Um, uh, the Amico Statement of Facts came out. We, uh, would be re- we would be remiss if we did not discuss this. Yeah. Uh, this was put out on a... On, it was tweeted out officially and then put out on the on their website. This was a response to Sam Mekovich's uh, Ars Technica article about will there be a meltdown in 2022 about the amico and a response came from phil adam and john alvarado who we've discussed he's he's like the primary engineer there uh senior management tommy's name is not on this which is uh, interesting but this is a weird rebuttal to a critical um news item sam mekovich's uh most recent amico article yes when we spoke about Um, it goes point by point. We could we could dive into and dissect this, but that's not the point. I don't think. No. Um, there's some there's some things that they point out 
the one thing that they try to say, well, you know, uh, we we, sh- we showed uh, Night Stalker in, in in a January 2020 video, so there you go. It's been, we, you've seen it yeah. recently. That's two years ago. Their rebuttals uh, are not nearly as strong uh, as no. they think. And the the footage that we saw in the 2020 video, this is the whole point of that fucking statement. And the fact that they had nothing else shows that it really is just fucking dead in the water at the moment. Um, it showed the same footage as it did in the 2019 video. So like. Congratulations, you showed it six months after the date that he stated, and you haven't shown it in two years. Yeah, so this is what I'm going to say about an article like this. It doesn't make them uh, look good either. It makes them look petty to constantly, constantly argue with a uh, a journalistic website that has a fairly good reputation. Yeah, so you're, you're going to attack the integrity of Ars Technica. Obviously, Sam... Uh, you know, wrote about how the portal was open and all the information about how what an underpowered, you know, six-year-old tech this is, or six or seven-year-old tech that this console actually is, talking about how, you know, it doesn't cost that much. They're saying, oh, no, this is expensive tech. It's not expensive. Tommy has bragged about the profit margin on this console. Yes. He's bragged, retailers love this because it makes makes them and us money. And it's like, no, this this... We said it. This whole this whole uh, strategy was a wholesale scheme to sell as much consoles as possible. And who cares about the software because you made your money already? Yes. On the and Tommy, hit, the CEO of the company, has bragged about that multiple times in interviews. So it makes you look weird. Um, it's desperate. I would say instead of writing this article, John, put out your fucking console. Yeah. Put out the console. That's all I'm going to say about that. Stop making excuses and put out the console. Uh, it's ridiculous here. Um, it talks about how, you know, Missile Command has its Peggy rating here. And it's like, well, you can have unfinished games get a rating. That's common in the That's industry. That's incredibly common. Um, what people don't uh, understand is that, and this is something that I feel like needs to be cleared up. Uh, all you have to do is basically send them what's going to be in your game. Sure. And they will give you the rating. Um, it talked about, see, Sam was critical like we were about how the store is bad because you have unpurchased games next to purchased games and how that's predatory. Uh, and they try to like say, well, you can have my games versus store and all this stuff. And it's all oh. so the, so obviously no company that is confident that they can deliver a product would waste their time putting an article out like this. But it just shows you how bad the culture is at the company. Uh, you know, you think that there would be people that weren't so reactionary like tommy that were adults in the room that's like hey let's ignore this we'll let we'll let our product speak for itself if the product is good the website will look crazy the dumb podcasters look crazy if we have a great product right that's what any company would say you you put your money where your mouth is as the expression goes you know it's like oh we'll prove them wrong and the thing is, is there's been like no news out of Amico for the past or in television for the past two weeks. If they had just not done this, we wouldn't be talking about them this week. Well, they had their investor update that was a regurgitation, and the only thing we learned is that the, thirty days. Uh, Nick 30 Richard days, says they'll have a better idea as to a sure. better idea of when they can actually. I'm sure everything is going to change in thirty days. Uh, we're in what? We're in Chinese New Year. You know, right now, uh, if this is going to make it for first quarter or not. Hint, it's not going to, and you haven't said anything to your investors or the people who are still clinging, clinging to a first quarter. I don't state. think this is going to hit quarter. There's no way it could hit quarter two because the, the country shut down for a couple of weeks, um, and then it's gonna, it would take you a month to manufacture. If they really have their ducks in a row, I think the earliest is going to be another, uh, it's, I would say, October. 
Well, I mean, like, if this was actually ready to go and they just haven't started manufacturing, you, you wouldn't see this till June. Okay. At this point. If, if they Fair. said, okay, the lines are ready to go after Chinese New Year, they're off and compo- actually actually manufacturing it. Um, you wouldn't see this until June, I don't think. Yeah, you're right, though. Like, I don't, like you'd be lucky to get this in, in late quarter three. Um, quarter four, if this is a, if this is a semi-competent company with, with something to put out, you know, I think I think that's what the update you're going to see. I think the update will, will be late quarter three because that can go all the way up to you know October. Like, uh, yeah, up up to what is it? I mean, so actually, that'd be September, late September. Oh, okay. but they can fudge it and say October and be off a little bit, right? But I think the earliest you would see this would be late quarter four if it comes out. That's just my opinion. Like that, but. I think I think you're going to say quarter three because in people's mind, people think, "Oh, quarter three is actually July," when there's no way, in, in chance in hell, it can come out in July. Well, they're going to they're going to like push it, but quarter three sounds better than quarter four. So you got I'm trying to do the the scheme in my head now about how I would try to try to drag along the pre order people and and the investors, how you game the system, so to speak. All right, let's make it clean and snappy. That's that. We're done. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, Ian, yeah, we know we love NFTs. We love the NFTs. Oh, we, we think they're the coolest. We love they're the keenest. We love the non fungible tokens. Uh, we we love um, the massive use of energy for what is is largely well. And I love pump, all the pump and dump scams. I love all the great uh, use cases that can't be done with anything else. Those are really my favorite. Is how useful people constantly yell at me that NFTs are. They're useful. No, they're not. I and then you always follow up to well, how many NFTs do you own, or you just like this technology from the outside looking in? Yeah, and it's like no, they all have, they all are invested. Yeah, in trying to pawn off the yeah. great to the greater fool uh, behind them to spend more money on. That's all it is. I used to, I used to set up a coffee station every Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night, um, uh, for Excel Communications. Oh, okay. Which was a uh, they would rent out our. Um, they would rent out our uh, catering space. Maybe it was twice a month. And I would go over to the catering space while I'm waiting tables. I'd set up a coffee station, put out some fucking Danish that had been thawing for, you know, 24 hours out of the freezer and uh, set them up. But uh, that was a multi-level marketing uh, company. Oh. And it the people... the, the Also ed- known as a pyramid scheme. A pyramid scheme, yes. Um, and the energy from those people... Very weird energy, like toxic energy. I feel like it's fucked me up. It's probably poisoned my internal organs a little bit. Like ultra positive and go get them. It's the same sort of energy that I get from NFT people. Every person who was fucking sitting there selling bullshit cell phones for Excel is probably really into NFTs right now. Because any rational person would look at this without it. If like this is how I was look at products. Could you like market this just explaining what it is without marketing speak you say this is what this product is 
would you buy this or not? You can't do that with NFTs because pe- when I try to explain NFTs and people never heard them, they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Kickstarter tried. They were like, no, no, we're going to do this. Uh, we've created an entire FAQ, and the entire FAQ is just business speak and fucking buzzwords. There's literally no substance the, to it. The same way Square Enix tried to put out that statement, which meant nothing. Yep. So this is the point. Not just the fact that it's worthless on its on the surface, it's also used to crime. Uh, it's all people it's used to crime. Uh, yes. People steal art assets they don't own and, and mint their NFTs because there's no oversight. You know, when you go to mint NFTs, it's not like someone says, "Okay, you're allowed to do that." You have right. a copyright to that image. No one does that. So now the news it's co- decentralized. I'm a cowboy so until na- someone steals my apes. So so this slime ball company called Stake the Web went out and stole a bunch of YouTuber and influencer likenesses and imagery for their own NFT gain on the OpenSea market, obviously without permission. Katakaris, uh, Stephanie Sterling, Alana Pierce, and a special someone. And Pat the NES Punk. <laughs> it was alerted to me a few days ago, and I'm like, what is this? This is before the article came you out. You know you've made it when you've had an illegal, unlicensed NFT. Uh, yeah, unlicensed, illegal NFT uh, made. Illegal. They took the Country Code Productions logo but they didn't even get or source the png so it was a black background so it's like it was they they might they probably cut it from one of my videos with a snipping tool and did it I mean, if you see that ian and in, in the tweet because because these have been taken down uh someone went after them we were going to go through the individual reactions i haven't reacted to this officially yet this is my official reaction i gotta tweet it out be like oh look would you look at that um but what's nuts about this is that this had to be brought to people's attention. Otherwise, you would never have known about it. Right. And potentially, this would get sold to people, and you don't know. Like, say, say for example, I don't know. Someone spends, I don't know, what's my NFT worth? Uh, 25 cents, $1.50. Someone buys that with the hopes of saying, hey, this is the only Path the NES Punk uh, NFT, and trying to sell it to the next idiot. And then, who knows? I don't know how this stuff even works, Ian, where um, if you sell this to someone, and then if your NFT is wiped off the platform because it's deemed illegal... Does, do people get their money back who've already bought it? My gut says no, no. that they're out of fucking luck when yeah. it comes to this stuff. I don't think there's any money back, and there shouldn't be because it's for cowboys. Uh, We're unregulated. So my NFT, before we get to the reaction, my NFT has a glittery jewel background, but it's just a black background. They didn't even clip out the black background, so it looks like shit to begin with. Not the art itself. The art is fine. Path the NES Punk on YouTube. They didn't even uh, capitalize it. Uh, no, it's ridiculous. This might I don't know if it was a bot. Then these motherfuckers have the gall to to put a copyright copyright 2021 stake the web like they own the fucking copyright to my art. And then though, Ian, they read bl- they blank out the U in YouTube because because that's actually trademarked that 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 um that logo probably and, and copyrighted. So they're more afraid of that than obviously thinking they own the copyright to my art, which they don't. And these people are fucking scumbags. I mean, that's where I'm getting to. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. They do not. Uh, when it comes to this, I should have commented on the time because I didn't know this was going to blow up. So, but then other, you want to talk about some of the other reactions from from much much larger YouTubers here? Um, I actually didn't see what their reactions were. I was going to talk about uh, oh. the 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 other part about nfts go, go ahead it's in the article it's in the Eurogamer article oh okay, okay. 
Cat Icarus, uh, Jim Caddick said, at least when it was discovered in his, at least, at least, if you stole my shit and tried selling it off, make it a T-shirt, a mug, a clock, a thing that you can use and enjoy. Showing off a profile picture for a collection you can just make yourself uh, on a Facebook photo album is honestly a new level of pathetic. LOL. Uh, right there. That was an, a reaction. Uh, and then there was a couple others here. You had uh, Stephanie Sterling. Uh, at Jim Sterling, frankly, not surprised that some freeloading leech turned my channel into an NFT. As gross as it is, I find it justifying. I did not consent to this. I do not want this. And it demonstrates everything I've said about how disrespectful and exploitative this market is. Scum. Yep. Um, maybe the worst one here from Alana Pierce. Uh, in an extremely predictable news, I've just been informed that somebody has taken an image of me that I own, added a trademark porn logo to it, and minted it to sell for profit as an NFT. Naturally, I was not asked for permission. I cannot wait for the lawsuits. So this is the most disgusting one. Um, that I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is the same seller as, as the Stake the Web one, but they took the blacked logo, which is a porn, uh, a porn brand known for black men having sex with white women. And they slapped it on her picture. So not only is it illegal, it's disgusting and degrading that they did this on top. These people are the fucking lowest uh, denominator you can think of to try to, to do this shit. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's awful. It's yeah. absolutely awful. Uh, this was just uh, a couple days after um, uh, Troy Baker, uh, one of the, I would say, one of the most well-known voice actors, uh, one of the voice actors... Do great work, but I, I would say not a ton of them are household names. I think Troy Baker is a name that most people are at least somewhat familiar with in video games. Um, did Last of Us. Uh, uh, now I'm, of course, uh, blanking on other games that he did. Um, I'll look it up. But he uh, came out and said that he was partnering with Voiceverse NFT to explore new ways... Where, where together we might bring new tools to new creators to make new things and allow everyone a chance to own and invest in the IPs they created. Just a bunch of fucking marketing buzz speak. I swear to God, this shit must just be copy-pasted. Um, we all have a story to tell. You can hate or you can create. What will it be? Is what he said. The oh backlash was swift. Uh, oh boy, did I? Did you see the top? Who had the top response? Our, our pal Matt McMuscles yeah. had a top response there. What a massive absolute L. Yes. Uh, it's true. Um, and so this is for the, the, to, to explain this one a little bit further. This is for buying the NFT of someone's voice because then you can use it in the metaverse and you can talk like them. People are selling this shit on fucking. Nothing. I mean, this is this is hocus pocus. It, it doesn't exist. That's what that's what um, uh, what the hell Meta what Facebook is trying to push this future VR world that we're yes. going to be living in. They're trying to. This is a part of that. And people are jumping onto and like trying to sell things for it that don't like you. No one's bought onto this. This yet. is not actually. Th that's not feasible. Like you can't do that. They're, they're oh, you can use this in uh, the metaverse. You can use this voice in your game. No, you can't. Uh, it, it's just the 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 way people talk about this shit and enacting it. They have no idea how games or platforms or computers work. They just think the NFT is fucking magic. So uh, Chuck Huber got ratioed 
Uh, and in response, welcome to the weird world of NFT hate. And he got ratioed. Yeah. Another big response. Uh, Troy, uh, this is from uh, Mossball. Troy, this is not about hate. NFTs are unethical. They have a severe impact on the environment and are creating a massive shortage in chips, computer parts, etc. Do you know how NFTs are mined? Uh, have you done research on any of this? I guess it means more minted cryptos are mined, but you know it's the same sort of point. You need a lot of computing power, right, for this stuff. You know, you still to put this stuff together. Um, do you know? Uh, this is from from this is someone that's verified, uh, Chris Pollock. Did you know you can? Just not exploit people looking for an easy way to get rich. It's actually incredibly easy to just not do that. And that's the problem is that when you're showing us these NFT uh, schemes, they're all connected to selling something for monetary gain. And there's no explanation about what happens down the road with this stuff. They love to use these terms like, oh, it's for creatives. How? No, no, it's not any of that. You're just trying to force sell a pyramid scheme. It's all about money. Lance says you can hate or you can create as a response. Uh, no, you can simply choose not to add your value into an embarrassing, backward-ass garbage technology that exists only to suck money from the pockets of ignorant fools. Um, and there's more, obviously. There's more responses. But the point is this, is that you have a very small, uh, you know, vocal minority with a stake in, in this, right, to fight back against the, the the massive majority saying, we see right through this. You are trying to sell us basically what you said, like a, a multi level marketing scheme in the form of a digital asset, and we see right through this. You have to stop. It's not hate. You have to stop doing this, and it hurts the environment on top of it. So it's like and, it's a double whammy. And it's just, you can't, every time there's something announced like this, it inevitably falls apart or news comes out. Like with this, the uh, the the voice, uh, voice verse NFTs, it was found that they were using someone else's um, programs. They basically stole code to generate their demo voices. Sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was brought to Troy Baker's attention, and he hasn't said anything. His last update was January 14th, which was the day after it. He hasn't said anything since. And it's just a bunch of mealy-mouth bullshit. I always want to be part of the conversation, even if it sometimes finds that I'm in the midst of a loud one. Appreciate you all sharing your thoughts and giving me a lot to think about. I'm just a storyteller out here trying to tell my story to whoever will hear it. What does that have to do with fucking NFTs? You don't need an NFT to tell your story. Hoping I can help others do the same. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Bullshit. Meaningless words. I'm grateful there are those who are passionate about their stance and not only feel safe to express that, but also have the means to do so. The hate create part might have been a bit antagonistic. Yes, it was. And it was. I, I have a feeling that was they told you to say that. Uh, hope you'll all forgive me for that. Bad attempt to bring levity. Anyway, feel free to resume the conversation or not as you please. I appreciate those with truth showing it, those with support offering it, and those with anger doing their best to express with it. But he doesn't say anything about whether or not he's still going to do the NFTs. Uh, voice verse, which is, I guess, the contract he has with these folks. And these are all dropping at the end of the month, these voice NFTs. They put out a lengthy statement on the 14th, probably in response um, we first provi- developed this idea with the goal of providing everyone with a voice in Web3 and fun new ways to personalize your avatar by adding a voice component to it. Then just sell a voice component without NFT. Yes. Sell a fucking voice pack. You can't do that. You need it to be an NFT. You need to, to add this weird marketplace to this shit that uses a ton of energy. Like Ian says, all this shit with the games, you don't need the NFT tech to use all to do this stuff. 
No, and um, there's a reason why this sort of stuff, like transferring of skins between games, has never been done before because it's a fucking logistical nightmare. They're claiming that um, we're okay. We're fully licensed and gain explicit written permission from the voice actor on the usage rights of the voice NFT. Voice actors get an upfront guarantee to make sure their labor is properly compensated, much higher than any union rate. The voice actor receives royalties on all secondary sales of the voice NFT, of which we take. Zero percent, but they make their money on the first go on the fucking yes. auction. Whenever they, they, whenever they start doing right, this of shit, course. providing it, uh, the voice actor can choose whether to associate their identity with the voice that they provide. Many voice actors, in fact, choose to provide a completely new fictional character voice to voice first. Okay, so they're, they're, they're so they're going to create a mar- marketplace for fucking voice modules in order to use in the potential fucking metaverse. Is that what like in this in this fucking non-existent plane of, 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 of digital existence. That's basically what this is. Yeah. That we don't know like what specific place I'm going to right now. Like what? And what do people think uh, like NFTs do? Like you log into the metaverse and you go to the NFT section, and you plug it in and it just works. No, is this a wave file? Like how, how does this work? What's the interface between this and the metaverse? How's this actually going to be functioning the way they're selling it? You're selling an idea now for the future. With no guarantee that this is ever actually going to work. This, I saw this analogy brought up to NFTs, and I should have thought of this. You remember 15, 20 years, more than 20 years ago, you, could, you can buy a star. Oh, that analogy's been all over. Yeah. I have a star. My grandpa did that for me when I was a fucking kid. That was, that was the 80s. Uh, so they have these companies that you can register a star. We'll give you the location and the name. We'll put it in a registry. The problem with that was that you had multiple companies doing that, and you keep a ledger of it. What happens when those companies go out of business? Which they did. Who, who's, you don't own that star anymore if there's no official registry of that. And that's exactly what's happening in this. This is like buying star shit. In theory, it might be something, but unless everyone else agrees to it and it continues over time, it doesn't mean anything anymore. You'll have to agree upon it in order for your ownership to count. It has to be like legally bearing, and everyone has to agree that it's yeah. You, you never own that star to begin uh, with, and as of right now, it doesn't I, look like you ever really own the NFT. You you own uh, the actual receipt, yes. the picture. No, no, you don't. You can buy a car from someone, but if that owner that you buy it from isn't recognized as the owner, you didn't buy the car. <laughs> you stole something. You know, like that's so like. It's insane. Like this, this whole metaverse thing with those awful Google commercials with the four people bopping around in the jungle. It's a fucking horrifying commercial that they stopped running. Uh, but they're looking for towards this future, virtual future that like the vast majority of us aren't signed up for. And that's kind of what NFT sort of uh, summarizes in essence. Skip past this world that's that we're trying to hold together. For this pie in the sky virtual reality world yeah. that will probably never be adopted by even by even a not even a small majority, but it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So, all right. So yeah, someone. So the, the the stake the web shit has been taken down. It looks like my my NFT's gone. I would love to have seen what my NFT would have sold for. Ian, would love to see. Is there another one? I'm going to put it in now. Is there a second one? out there it's 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 obviously demeaning um it's it's a legal activity that's happening all over the place and um it's going to continue it's going to continue because again there's no regulations that means you can do the fuck you want yeah and just do illegal shit 
It's horrible. Ian, do we have a scumbag? Seller. Of the week. Week? Week. It's been a while since we had a scumbag seller of the week. Yeah. Uh, this was brought to my attention on Twitter. Uh, Michael, oh, excuse me, on Patreon. Michael D. on the Patreon sent me this. He uh, Michael had received uh, Facebook, I guess, targeted ads. You can target ads on Facebook for what he thought was a sale for the, the arcade one-up home uh, arcade machine cabinets that we've talked about in the podcast. Uh, many times they've been around there for what three, four, five years, and he was like, "This is strange. What's happening here?" So he clicked on the link and um, realized quickly it was a cloned website from scammers. Yep. Um, so it it was a, a derivative of Arcade One Up, Arcade One Up dash us dot com. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. That even has like has some. Headlines, but when you click on them, it just goes through the art. So they basically, um, there's tools you can use to like grab website code, grab mm-hmm. the images. So these uh, entrepreneurs did this and then said, you know what, Ian, we're going to mark down our fake cabinets. Oh, Marvel Superheroes Arcade Machine with Riser, $94, marked down from $400. Golden T, $96. NBA Jam, $98. So when, if you're not if you're looking on Facebook and you don't know any better, oh, it's Facebook. It's an official ad. I'll just click on it and go right. to it. You can click on this stuff and buy the Terminator 2 arcade machine. Ian, wow, it's on clearance. It's marked down from $700 to $97. Ridge Race for only $96. Yeah, and you can add it to the cart, and you can go to checkout. And it, it, you know, it, it, It's like a Shopify site. It's, they're using Shopify, it looks like. And you can even uh, use their code and place your order on this shit. And the problem is, is that obviously this is a scam. You see this stuff uh, come up from time to time with electronics and other things. I've seen this. You've seen like, oh, why? Like, why is this thing marked down eighty percent? What's happening? They they try to get people, uh, global people, uh, to do it, or people that are just, oh, wow, this is a, a clearance. Um, so the the issue is that they have a Facebook group that it points to as well, and they started posting only uh, it looks like yesterday. Wow, that's quick. Um, and they've already got their scam going. They, they put out a bunch of posts and then even had their um, – so the way it usually works on Facebook in terms of the ads, you make a post. You can then promote it and pay money directly, and it's off and running. Anyone, anyone can do it. That's what happened around the election. Uh, you had a lot of disinformation, misinformation, and posts. Anyone can do it. I mean it's documented. This is what they did. Um, so their first post was on, on yesterday, the 17th. Arcade One Up machines are must-haves for retro game enthusiasts and pop culture collectors. Perfect in family game rooms and man caves. X Men, Street Fighter, Simpsons, Pac Man, and more. Get yours up to eighty percent off with the link. And then you have only a couple of comments saying, um, "See, a couple of people even in the comments don't even realize it." Someone says, uh, "says see it in the title, but it's a stand-up." The seat is an add-on. There's a response. Someone says NBA Jam. Oh, with a big face. Like, oh, that's cool. Not realizing they're responding to a scam. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's an email on here. Servers at arcadegame.com. I don't know if that's their actual email. There's a phone number. Who the hell knows what it goes to um, here? And they have their shop here. And then there's also other follow-ups about they're, they're, they're stealing. There's a picture of, of Pete Davidson with an uh, – with. you see that picture on Facebook? There's a picture of like Pete Davidson with an with an RK one up. It looks like Pete Davidson. Uh, it looks just like him with a Ninja Turtles cabinet. I don't know where they got that from. Um, 
And there's pictures of the mini, uh, looks like the little kids Pac-Man mini arcade you told me about. There was yeah. a little mini one that was adorable there with the family, with stock photos. Uh, they followed up, hey, Star Wars lovers, lovers, we've got the best gift for you. Uh, Esquire included RK one up Star Wars pinball machine on top of its top picks this year. So they're trying, they're trying to look like like oh Esquire magazine. They're trying to look like a legitimate company, right here. That's uh, the problem. That does here. look like Pete Davidson with a yes. I'm kind of interested to see where that came from. That image. Yeah. Um, they're even they're even advertising that Infinity uh game table on there. Remember that? Yeah. Remember the, mm-hmm. the, the big like giant tablet basically. Yep. On there, so. It's egregious. They, they, there's a there's an Instagram photo showing up. Arcade went up. So this is obviously a, a, a scam. I hope this gets shut down. Um, they have a, they have a one one star review on here. But the point is, is that people probably got already taken uh, for money on this. The prize already happened. Uh, and, and it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a scumbag seller. Scumbag and, move. And it's more dangerous also because on the Facebook targeted ads, you can target by interest. You can, right. You can target by area where you live, demographics, uh, sex, age, um, and interests. On fa- when you sign up for Facebook, you put down your interests. You put down, I like retro games. I like video games. So this can this will be shown like on this person's uh, page that alerted us um, to uh, Mike's page. Like he only saw it because they knew Facebook knew he likes video games. He likes retro games. That's what makes this stuff dangerous to get around and, and, and get reshared. And added at people. That's what makes Facebook so more dangerous. I'd say that even a Twitter ad or, or even probably an Instagram ad, it's the propagation of it. Yeah. It's so much more uh, on it. It's so much quicker. It spreads like a, spreads like a virus when it comes to it. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, some people will be able to tell. There's, when you, Now when you go to the site, it looks like there's like a 404 on the main page. But then you can click around and get to stuff. But no, it's bad. It's It's really bad. Um, have you ever, get, ever see this sort of stuff uh, happen before? Um, yeah, I have. I can't think of any actual examples at the moment, but I've definitely seen like websites that pop up, and it's like this is not not as often yeah. as I used to. Yeah, how you that saw- used to be a really common thing on the internet. Like people would get the uh, name of a site that was like a couple letters off and mimic it, you know, and put spyware and shit up there or whatever. I've seen this within the past year and a half. I've still seen this. <laughs> really? Uh, some it's like, oh, is this, are they just drop? shipping stuff from china like what are they doing here then you see some stuff that like look could be legit other stuff obviously like you can't sell stuff like ipads for like 90 percent off the cost you can't sell an 800 dollars ipad for like you know a hundred dollars like when you look at this stuff it's like this is insane like if you're if you're if this is stolen property they would charge more for this even they can't just do this they're just trying to get people and then hopefully i don't know they close up shop and go away before people start doing credit card you know chargebacks and, and months later you know that's that's what i'm guessing when it comes to this stuff. I know it's bad. This is the first time we've seen it with, with arcade machines uh, like this. I don't have much more to say about this other than now we've got the outer machine. That's a cool looking machine. The outer machine. I'll say that, but buy it from arcade one up and not arcade one up dash us. Uh, you want, you want to do that. All right. Anything else to add Ian? New year sales up to 80% off. Eat me. It's terrible. No, nothing. All right. Well, that was our scumbag seller. Seller. Of, of the, the week, week, Pete Davidson. You know you should, you got to speak out about this. Uh, we got a Patreon poll. We do. You go to patreon.com dot slash cu podcast. You go. You put in some money. 
You get writings, which I need to do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the full video podcast. You get special bonus bits. Bonus, as he bonus say. bites. Bonus, bonus bites. Um, yeah. Uh, here's our poll topic. In second place, hardest NES boss fights, thirty six percent. In first place, sixty five percent. Must be it must it must have rounded down because that doesn't add up. It adds up to one hundred one. They added, they rounded up. Uh, Pat Math. Would retro gaming look different if YouTube never existed? So I guess I mean any sort of like video sharing independent site that was just say got popular around 2006 is when it started to really blow up. 2006 is when it sort of shot up and you had obviously tons of, of the OG retro gaming YouTubers. Obviously the most famous one is James Rolfe. Uh, you had me, you had a lot of other retirements. I didn't come in until 2008. You had Derek Alexander, you had the good old irate gamer. You had a lot classic, a uh, classic game room. Mark Bustler yep. was huge. Uh, you know, Games for eighty one. You had all these people that were there that probably influenced the retro gaming scene somewhat. But you know, so, how would that have looked if, if YouTube never existed? If those folks weren't out there? I mean, I think without the YouTube spotlight on it, retro gaming would have continued to grow in popularity. I mean, it was it was a thing. It, it may not have been. Um, a massive thing, but um, you know there were still retro game stores. People who were interested in NES stuff, NES collecting. Um, it didn't start because of YouTube. However, it really took off, I think, because of YouTube. So, if I had to guess some instances in which it would have been different without the internet, um, it would have stayed more underground, I think. Um, and I think the prices would probably not have gotten. Uh, nearly as high. Um, once people start talking about prices and the rising prices of retro games, I think that encouraged people who might not normally seek out retro games or might not normally seek out, um, you know, uh, looking at stuff as an investment. I, I don't think that would have taken off in the same way that it did. Did you think that happened 15 years ago? People were talking about the prices as much as just the games themselves. Uh, I mean, they did. I mean, overall, I'm, I'm just talking about overall. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, YouTube exists now; it didn't just exist then. I just mean that, like, yeah, overall, I think prices would not have gone up as high. People talked about prices back then. They also talked about hidden gems and games that you could find for under certain amounts of money. And I think a lot of those prices for those specific types of games would not have climbed as high as they would have without the internet. Without the internet, I don't think we would have been looking at $100 gun necks and $150 Power Blade 2s and stuff like that. Sure, I just want to make a distinction. When it started out, it was more or less people just showing themselves playing games or talking about them. In 2006, 7, 8, there wasn't a bunch of ge- – there wasn't game hunting videos going on willy-nilly. There wasn't – No, but there yeah. is still people talking about good games, and there's always oh, sure. people talking oh, yes. about games that you don't know, and that's going – I mean, yes, but they that, weren't. that's dr- just one facet of what but, I'm talking about. But they about. weren't going out and saying, this game's worth 50 bucks, and I just bought it. Like, that wasn't happening. No, just being on YouTube yes. and, and doing it is going to cause the prices to rise. Because but that's from increasing the the, 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 the visibility. Yes, yeah, the visibility and the number of people. Okay, that's why I make sure that you have the distinction. People weren't saying, go out, buy this game. It's not, it's, it's not worth no, it right now. No, no, no. So, so – so yes, and this is the thing we talk about with people are saying, oh, you know, people like like Metal Jesus are affecting prices, or or people like you are affecting prices, and it's like when when things get more popular, more people are going to look into them to enjoy them, not necessarily just to speculate on, but to enjoy them. I always thought, yeah. it, and I, I like Metal Jesus, but I always thought it was weird. He always it always seemed like 
I'm not taking a shot at you. I know you watch this. But I, I, there's a lot of YouTubers out there that seem to get pretty defensive about how, oh, that's not how it works. No, that is how the prices of games go up. You make a hidden gems video about games that are cheap, more people are going to see it, and the prices of these games are going to go well, yeah, up. It's not going to go down. I don't. I don't think that you're. A, I don't think any of these people were bad people for it. But there was definitely like a realization. I think at that at a certain point where it was like, oh, I like because of the popularity we're bringing to it, we're increasing the value of these games. We're increasing the the price of getting into this hobby, and I think people didn't like that and didn't want to be associated with it. But I, what I'm getting at is, there's no reason to be embarrassed by that that's the nature of what happens when something gets popular and is brought to people's attention and i, and I always talked about well you don't complain about the opposite then like if you already own these games that are being talked about and all of a sudden the price goes up are you complaining that more people now know about rich gaming or, or is that you're okay with that right the people you're who okay always the people who always yelled at someone like say uh, metal jesus rocks and was like you're increasing the value of the games they're fine with the games on their shelves going up in value yes you don't hear about that you don't be like oh well thanks for you know my, my NES collection is now worth three times what it was 10 years ago. You don't hear people talk about that. Like, that's okay. But you can bitch about stuff you don't own. Right. That you, now it's going to be hard to get that you want it. I think that was always, it was always like that weird uh, gatekeeping thing. It's like, well, no one knew about, like, we'll just say Gun Knack. No one knew that this is a fun game that's hard to find. Now, now if someone does a video on it, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Rue does a 16-bit gems on, like, Earthbound. That helps the popularity get bigger. You know what I mean? Like, and then that goes up in value. Come back to us, Rue. No, people always say that. Rue tweeted last week. I saw. Necro tweet. <laughs> In response to the video game years. Uh, He's done that to me before. I, I, he seems to like get a If you're like, hey, where's Rue? He'll pop up. Yes. Like, yeah. No not, activity for six months, but he's lurking. His notifications are on. Yeah. His, his phone notifications are on for any, for any mention. Um, so this is what I think about. If YouTube did not exist and have people put out these videos, um, I think we would not be where we're at, where we're at right now. I think we would be somewhere in the past trying to reach towards it. We'll just say some hypothetical, something like YouTube never even sprouted out. We were still in this weird environment where it's it's like, you know, like talking to Ian at the, at the game store about cool games, uh, forums, groups, like how Nintendo Age was, it would be a smaller, hardcore set of people that would be into it. And then it would be it would be just be more difficult to get that knowledge out to the mass public. Yeah, it was a ton of a ton of free marketing. Um, all the YouTubers doing these re- re- you know uh, reviews, let's plays, tons of free marketing, not just to maybe these games that maybe the, that company's out of business, but to the existing companies. You know, like to how much was that? Could that have been a shot in the arm to the you know to the virtual console on the Wii? It probably didn't hurt. Sure. Oh, talk about TurboGrafx-16. I never heard of the console. What the hell? I can buy them on my Wii for like $3, $5? Right. You know, like, like you don't know what the effect of There's no way to mark that, but obviously it, it would, could only help. Um, you know, there was people that discover whole consoles because of videos on YouTube. We talked about that before. We talked about, like, like how are you going to know about, you know, potentially the CDI? How are you going to know about the TurboGrafx-16? Not only if you weren't around for it, but maybe it wasn't sold in your area. How the hell would you have known that? If you're, if you're, if you're in bumfuck USA, they didn't have the console out there. There's no way for you to have known that. You'd have to like go on some message board and discover it or just randomly search, I don't know, a uh, weird game console. And then Trevor Rabbit 16 comes up. So, um, yeah, it, 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 if it never existed, maybe Trevor Rabbit 16 games would still just be people like me that grew up with it 
I'm the only person that cares about it. No one else has them. Right. Or, or maybe there's never eventually a, a, a TurboGrafx Mini because Konami doesn't... Master figure... System would never have had its year and a half in the sun if it wasn't for the internet. No, absolutely. Master System and Turbo, you can put in the same sort of plane of like... That was one of the weirdest uh, things I saw was people suddenly pretending they gave a shit about Master System games for a year and a half and completing that set. Was... Well, you had to do something after the NES, right? It's, it's... No, I mean, it made sense, but I feel like <laughs> that was even... also... Prom- I, I feel like that was also exacerbated by internet culture talking about hey there's this set that is simple simple 114 games or relatively so. inexpensive your most expensive that, games are it, it was probably that it was like this is the one u.s set you can complete because it's cheap yeah i mean you had a couple games that would go for more than 100 but yeah, buster, a ton. buster douglas was always expensive it was like 300 dollars, right but that was it power strike 2 that was a mail away galaxy force wasn't that much money yeah most of them even the ones like strider were not that much money uh looking at there Sure. Or like Moonwalker, yeah, thirty bucks. Alf was like thirty bucks, twenty bucks. Yeah, you know, King's Quest, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. None of them are expensive, super expensive. Um, yeah, you know, it's an interesting what if, and um, you can't. You obviously, you can't turn the clock back. But I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying people like James is uh, responsible for you know the NES Classic, but it, it didn't hurt having AVGN out there. No, putting out videos that were seen by millions of people even 15 years ago seeing seen uh being seen by millions of people yeah you know, I, I i had a couple of nice videos here and there this portion of the cu podcast is brought to you by manscaped cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep how about having clean and shiny balls all year round our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code Podcast for 20% off and free shipping. It's New Year, New Me with the global leaders, global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and brand-new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4,000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land that 2022 is looking to be. A grooming routine isn't complete without applying Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver before showing off your 2022 self. These unique formulations take care of the sweatiest parts of your body and are a big boost to your confidence in the new year. To complete the set, Manscaped threw in their Shed Travel Bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And the new product that needs no introduction, the Ultra Premium Body Wash from Manscaped solves all three for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but in the shower. This body wash smells great too. It's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. Kick discomfort and poor hygiene to the curb this year and use the best tools for the job. Cheers to new balls in 2022. Whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off and free shipping with the code CU Podcast. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code CU Podcast. It's New Year, no pubes in 2022 with Manscaped. We got a. We got, a, we got some voicemails, Ian. Oh, boy. You go to anchor.fm slash CU Podcast. You go, Ian. You don't pay any money, but you can leave us. You can leave. You can leave us messages. 
and you can tell us how much you you adore us. You can talk about Jersey stuff if you want. And then, uh, yeah, here's our first one. Hi, guys. It's Fred from Manchester in the UK here. I'm currently studying Japanese and going studying abroad in Japan next year. My question is, are there any Japanese-exclusive video games you'd recommend? Like anything from the Famicom era all the way up to the PS2 or PS3 era. Been watching since 2014. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. He's got tons. He can just r- rattle off pieces. I mean, most of the stuff that I play is 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 import. But uh, if you want one that's really fun that I like that I don't see a lot of people talking about, play Napple Tale on the Dreamcast. Um, I mentioned that one because um, it's a really fun platformer, three uh, D graphics but two D platformer with a weird like central hub town, and it's loosely loosely kind of based off like the Alice in Wonderland mythos. And um, you don't need to know a lot of Japanese to play it, but I've always been interested in, um, you know, what the, the actual story of the game. The game was fun to play through. I enjoyed it, but I always wanted to know if the story was interesting or weird. Um, so, I don't know. If you take Japanese and you want to play an import game, try Napple Tale. Um, I'll just throw out the ones that I've, uh, some of I've reviewed or covered. Uh, Splatterhouse, well, Pocket Graffiti is excellent on the Famicom. Yeah, um, it's good. It's a super fun and smart game. And adorable little chibi characters. Um, f- f- any, if you're into wrestling, the Fire Pro Wrestling series is the best wrestling series ever created. That's uh, mostly all the newer ones are, you know, Fire Pro World uh, Returns but, and World are yeah. both domestic or uh, localized, and there but, was two on the Game Boy. But if you want to go in the past, yep. obviously you can download. I mean, God, one of the first things I downloaded was the hacked English ROM of uh, X Premium. It's uh, fun to play all the old Power Pros too, uh, power, uh, Fire Pros as well. Um, I mean. So I'm going to play the old Fire Pros to see what the roster is at any given yes. time. <clears throat> that that X Premium roster was nuts. How many U.S. Uh, North American wrestlers they played mm-hmm. that? It was nuts. It basically had like 30 or more 40 WCW and WF wrestlers. They didn't care. They had Undertaker. They had they had they had Hulk Hogan, but they didn't have all the special moves for them. That's the things like they didn't have like a running leg drop yet. They had a regular leg drop, but not a running. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have the, they had a lot of the wrestlers, but not the moves for them. You know. Uh, they didn't have like the Razor's Edge yet <laughs> for like I think it was Razor in that one. Mm-hmm. He might have been. There, there wasn't there, there wasn't a proper diamond cutter yet. They had the Ace Crusher. There wasn't a Stone Cold Stunner until the PlayStation one, for example. Uh, G, I think uh, six, six Man, Six Man, I think had us. No? no, no, Six Man was still Ace Crusher. Still Ace Crusher. Uh, G definitely had one because it's got the kick in the yeah. Yes, yeah. they actually had Stone Cold in the game. Yeah, but he was like short in the game. Or like Goldberg was sure. I remember that they had Goldberg and Stone Cold, but like they weren't the same height. Whatever. Next one. Hi, Ian and Pat. Um, just wanted to say, uh, oh, calling from the um, east coast of Scotland. Um, Ian, just wanted to say you've been inspirational to me um, uh, as somebody who has anxiety too. I oh, can recognize that. And I've listened to you for many years and it's always been really helpful for me to, anyway. Your podcast has just been wonderful for me. Um, my question is really about like um, the European game scene. What? How do you see that fitting in, like the Spectrum and the um, Amstrad? And uh, we didn't really get Nintendo until um, Super Nintendo, for me at least, and then Game Boy. Um, yeah. So I just wonder how that fits in with your kind of um, ideas of like history with video games. 
This is one thing we actually, speaking of video game years, we got to complain we didn't cover this stuff because we had absolutely no knowledge base because we didn't grow up with this stuff. Right. We didn't, you couldn't get the Amstrad here. You couldn't get a ZX Spectrum. Um, you know, so like there was just no way to know how that game scene went. But obviously it was obviously heavily computer based and not console based, like you said, until like the late 80s. Uh, then you get to the 90s and then Nintendo is, is, is more there. Uh, they, they, their distribution was obviously awful. <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Like, obviously, you had some stuff. Some of those big franchises that were, we'll just say, UK centric, European centric, like Elite, still around, right? You know, but, but there, in my mind, there isn't a lot of those sort of franchises that started on those computers that you can still look back and be like, that's the franchise that sort of permeated over here. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking about the European game scene last night, like literally as I was not sleeping. I was trying oh. to. I'm so sitting there thinking about it, and I can't. Oh, and the reason why is because I got an ad for ant stream arcade okay and i have not checked it out yet but i was looking at i said you know it's free i i should make an an account and i should check out some of that computer stuff because i know that there was a lot of computer stuff on there when they announced it at least unfortunately there are their uh web page doesn't give you a list of the games Ah. but i'm gonna i'll create an account today and look at it but specifically because i wanted to look at and see more of what Europe was playing in sure. the 80s and the 90s, because I never really did, because we never got those computers Oop. and stuff like that. Codemasters games and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but to the U.S., I don't think... Uh, it, it, it's very much... A, the European game market is still very much a European thing. Like you said, a lot of that never really expanded out. Um, I would say that the you know some of the bigger games, like Dizzy, got a little bit more well-known over love, here. But not a lot. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, you said elite, which is a good one, a little bit, but yeah, it's just it never really, it never stuck over here. So I do want to look into it, and and thank you for saying that about anxiety. I'm always happy to help people with anxiety. It's a daily struggle. Hey y'all, this is Joseph calling from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I just kind of wanted to ask y'all about the um, the play date and specifically the crank on the play date. Uh, ever since they showed it off, I've, I've honestly been really interested in that crank because just the different ways, you know, it could afford amateur developers to brainstorm new gameplay mechanics in their games that may or may not have been done before that is only possible just by having this simple crank on the console. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a stroke of genius. It was a crank of genius, I think. Because if they just said, we're going to do a little handheld, Ian, that's yellow without the crank, people were like, okay, what's... It's cool, but why? The crank, it, it's just cool enough, and it's mechanical, and you interact with it. I don't know who thought of that idea, but whoever did, I mean, that, they're like a genius for thinking of that crank. But what I love about the, the crank is uh, that it's, it's interesting. It, caught, it, it was a simple thing that got people's brains yes. firing. Because they're like, what is that? Why is that there? And, and it, it created yeah. some cool ideas. Yeah. And in the future... People are probably not going to want to use the crank. And you know what? That's fine because you can make games without a crank. Um, and I think uh, Panic has been very good about not trying to shove the crank down anyone's throat. Yeah. Um, that'd, be, that'd be painful. Well, yeah. But, but the, it's there. They obviously want people to see it because it gets people excited. Yeah. But it's not – they're uh, not constantly talking it, – It's it, it, and I hate to bring it up again because it was such a small po- focus uh, this week. But the Intellivision Amico constantly railing on something like the disc or the lights as like something you have to love. The crank is like it's there, but they've never – 
I, I don't feel like they've ever made it the forefront. A lot of those initial games are going to use it, but I feel like they just don't care if the crank would, if the crank isn't used in two years, the crank is used to get this into people's hands. Okay, you're, you're looking at like Rob the Robot. I think the crank will will be part of the identity always. I think I think it will be there won't be like a schism, but I think it'll be almost like a badge of honor if you figure out how to use that crank in your game. No, and I, I don't think um, it's going to be like everyone's just going to immediately dump it. Yeah. But I, I would not be surprised as, as time goes on, there's less games with the crank. Sure, but then my point would be then why have it on there and not just release a regular game on, on Steam? Like why even have it on the handheld? Well, now? at that point, I um, think it's because you still have something that is... At that point, it's what the Amico could have been if the Amico... It would be a mildly successful console that exists within its own ecosystem, and because okay. they're indie developers, they're paying these people for the games. You get them out. Two D art's cool. The little black, the and, white two, black and white two D art, uh, yeah. one bit, you know, on or off. It's is it one bit or two bit? Oh, actually, you're right. It might be two bit. <laughs> I was going to say, at what point did the bits? What is a what's four bit versus two bit? Oh well, one bit would just be like no color shading. Gotcha. It would just be like uh, it, black the, or no the white pixels or no are yeah. on or oh, gotcha. off. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, uh, they they actually created a little system like the Amico wanted to. So I still think there would be people who are interested in it, but the crank got people talking. And they're short-term games, too. Like, I mean, you can make a game that's three hours like a Zelda, but I don't think that's what the 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 most common game type will be on that. Right. I think there'll be under half-hour gameplay uh, sort of experiences on that. All right, next. Hey, Pat and Ian. Marvel's here. Um, I just have a quick question. I've recently been watching your video game years the first decade, and I'm wondering if you guys are working on the second decade. I would love to be part of it, but yeah, I mean, the 90s was a huge time for growth for gaming, and I'd love to see you guys cover it sometime. Yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done, Clark. That's the thing. That's the big thing. That's I what mean, we've been saying uh, for years. I, I mean, I, I don't like, want to make it without, about me, but I halted work on the book for almost a year to make sure the 80s got finished. So, like, I took a personal hit. Uh, to make sure that uh, video game years was finished, to uh, you know, put the work in, and that, that's that. It's tough. It's, it was a passion project. That's the thing. Like it's it's hard to do that when you have more obligations and like a expensive mortgage and things like that. You have to, to get done. And, and 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 I wasn't traveling to all the conventions then, like I am now. Like I back in thirteen, fourteen, eh, four conventions a year at most, three versus like ten. It's it's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff changes, obviously. Hey, yo, what's good? It's Jacob from L.A., your friendly neighborhood lime Skittles dealer. I wonder if you could help me figure out what an arcade was I saw when I was a kid. It was a baby in a robot suit. Captain Commando. I guess yeah. I could just Google it on that alone. Or just ask us. I just ask us. That's Captain Commando. Okay, bye. Interesting. I don't know if it was underrated uh, uh, beat-em-up, but it's, it's interesting, fun beat-em-up. You, you didn't see too often back in the day. It's good. It's not as good as Final Fight. Oh. You got you to gotta go to the top. It's not the ten, you know. Well, it's a, I mean, it's because, a seven. because it's a, I mean, it's more of a direct comparison. It's I, I don't like it as much. Final fights ago, that and Double Dragon. Hey Pat, hey Ian, this is Patrick from Elgin, Illinois. Hey Patrick, my question's for Pat. Hey Pat, hey, I was Pat. watching one of your Ultimate Collection videos, and I noticed on your shelf you had a couple of seasons of the show Nip Tuck. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of curious on your thoughts of the show. I've seen the whole entire show, and I thought the first three seasons were very good, and after that, the show kind of lost its way. Just wanted to see if you've watched the whole thing and what your thoughts are. Thanks. Um, second season is could, could be the the goat season. That's the that's the uh, the serial killer season. That's probably the most. That's when the show blew up. Blew up. We're talking FX in like two thousand five. You know, mm-hmm. like 
around there, 2004. I used to watch it with my father on Friday nights or Saturday nights um, when I was, um, God, home from college. Or we, 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 I found it randomly. It was on FX. This is like early FX. This is like, you know, 2004 or so. I think 2003. And like they just ran like three episodes on a row. I'm like, what the hell is this? Plastic Surgeons? Yeah. How can you make a show about plastic surgeons that's like not like a procedural, like sort of like, no, it's a, it's a drama about these fucked up plastic surgeons. One's a womanizer. Um, one's a quote unquote family man that in a lot of ways is worse than the womanizer. That's one of the good things about the series that the, the give and take between the two different personalities. And then you have their assistant, you have uh, the wife drama, you have uh, the recurring characters that they, they, they add a, a creepy third doctor. There's drama. It overachieved that show. Yes, there was like sex uh, sexiness in that, but there was also like a dark comedy thing that that show was on for like six, seven years. Yeah, way longer than I expected it to um, be. And yeah, it got you know it, it probably peaked season two, three, but I watched every episode. It, there was a satisfying ending to it, and I, I remember the last scene. I don't remember, I don't remember the uh, how all the characters ended up, but um, no, it was interesting. Julie McMahon as the sleazy um, womanizing doctor was really good. He was up for Bond at one point. Uh, Julian McMahon. He was also on Charmed. He was one of the boyfriends on Charmed. Why is, why is Charmed coming up every week now? Yeah. Weird. It's weird. Do a few more. He'll talk about sports, trees, the birds and the bees. It's time to ask Frank. Hey, guys. Just wondering if hey Frank could ever come on the podcast or come on your side podcast and just talk about life. He's the best. Thanks. Hey, Josh. Um, Frank's been on the NASCAR podcast like three, four times. Very interesting experiences talking about the 60s um, and the Vietnam War and the 70s and the cultural stuff going on. No, Frank, yeah, check him out. Three or four. And, and I had an updated Ask Frank in 2020. We did, we did a sit-down. I mean, I'll do one this year. It's been a bit. Pat and Ian, this is Andrew from Wisconsin. Hey. If you could be a consultant for any uh, developer or any video game or video game uh, franchise, what advice would you give or what would you try to change for a video game or series? Thank you. Keep it up. You guys are great. Put on your consulting, Hattie. What 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 what, what series would you want to consult for? <laughs> Is there one you want to say, you know what, I want to I want to see Kirby but but but, but Kirby riding on a hippo. That's In all I seriousness, see. I always wanted to be, sit down on a session with like the devs for um Fire Pro. Oh, okay. If there, most games I play them, and I'm like, okay, this is good or bad, and then I move on. But I mean, Fire Pro was such a huge part of my life for so long. I mean, people get together and do video game tournaments every week. I was getting together with the same group of friends every week for like five years to play wow. Fire Pro. Like oh, every week, shit. we watched wrestling, and then we played Fire Pro. And the Fire Pro portion of it was almost always longer than the actual watching wrestling portion. Like when I say I'm good at Fire Pro, that's why I say it. It's one of the only games I've actually probably done that amount of like real hands-on time with i mean i played sure. that game four years at least for two to three hours every week you needed my disco inferno uh creator wrestling you needed them um, in, in your fed so i mean i'm not going to get into it uh, now but yes i've always had lots what, of ideas for the fire press stuff what would you want to add to it that's not um you know. i mean a lot of the stuff they have added but it, you know i'd have to go back and you know play again and, and refresh it but it was always things with uh, the controls are just like things that I always thought that they did that could be done a little bit easier. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's they've, always. They've added most of like the missing, like all the running moves they now have they didn't have. Yeah. Um, the only thing they don't have, they don't have like a creative storyline, do they? 
Uh, I don't know. That would be they have create a belt. I think they have they create do. a ring. They don't. You can't do create a move because they're all sprites. That'd be tough to do that. Did they put that? They put well, there are people who make moves. I mean, they make their own they put and, in the game. and put them in the on the but, online but on a, the uh, Steam a, version. But not a tool though. As long as there's a tool. Uh, that I don't know. Not if there is, it's okay. it's not made by them. It was Fire obviously uh, world create a move. I'm not sure how that is done. No. Um, but a storyline mode would be great. Um, there's a DLC move crafter. Okay. Oh, what? Okay. Is that from? Is that official? Okay, that's in the game. That's from Spike Chunsoft. How to create moves using the move craft. Okay. Okay. So they added holy it. shit. They added to that was uh, yeah. Wow. I haven't paid okay. attention in probably a year and a half. So I, that's I, the I've la- been meaning to play again. That was June of 2020. That's the last Fire Pro you might ever need. But yeah. that's the point. They're, they're done. I think we're that's done. the point. And they're an extremely small team, and the fact that World happened was a big deal. That, that, that was that a shock to people when that happened? Yeah, that was a because Returns was like 2009 or so. Yeah, and I, I think most people thought that was going to be the swan song. But it wasn't. But this is them saying, okay, we're giving you everything you need. Yeah, they're really just uh, trying to set people up for the long haul. I want a scalable character. I don't want just three heights. I want, like, a scalable height. That's only, that might be tough. I'm just saying that it would be nice to have four or five with, heights. With three. three different heights, it's probably a lot easier to get the moves to look right on people. You do scalable, it's going to break it. Give me one more height, even. Sure. I don't want to see no, I Bret Hart the same height as Rey Mysterio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and I Hogan you. should be bigger than Hart, but not as big as The Undertaker. I need one more height, Spike. One more height. Give me four, not three. <laughs> That's all I ask. Um, is there is there a storyline? Uh, Fire Pro World create a storyline? I think one of the de- – the, I don't know. Not a creative storyline, I don't think. Um, there is a story mode, but um, the story mode on Game Facts. Yeah, that's the only thing I think you would need, like a story mode creation. Sure. That's it. Like, make, do put your own dialogue and, and scripting and stuff like that. If then statements wouldn't be super complicated. Maybe, maybe you don't have to do it for like generations. Do it like year by year, even. That would be cool. So, anyway, uh, we'll do two more. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Tyler from Florida. I was just listening to your most recent episode about the NFTs and gaming. And I was just, it struck me odd people talking about the kill counts and skins and the who played what and it just reminds me of a game I play called Team Fortress 2 and they've been doing this for 14 years <laughs> 14 years they've been doing kill streaks and kill counts and counters and professionals and who used what in what tournament here and there and they've been doing it with name tags and databases and literal counters. Yeah, I mean that's what Ian said. Like you can do all the stuff with that NFT. That's the thing. You can track all this stuff. Yeah. You don't need this immutable uh, ledger for any of this stuff. You just you don't. And like when people um talk about it, they're like it, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. Alright, you want to do one more? We'll check in on someone? Yeah, we can do one more. So now you guys are taking shots at my investors. Really? saying they're old and out of touch. You know, that's just because there were a bunch of investor comments you didn't bother reading, like this one. The Intellivision Amico looks to be just what I need now that they took MASH off the air. (laughs) Right, exactly. And this one here, I don't care about modern gaming or modern anything, though the Amico is perfect for somebody like me. God bless Tommy Tallarico and God bless President Reagan. (laughs) 
And these are real investors with real investor names. You know, you mentioned Wilfred Earl Ford Jr. There's also Maximilian Hammersmith. There's Cornelius T. Manchester III. There's Archibald Fezziwig. I could go on forever. But then, of course, the guy who has a complaint about his investment, what's his name? Darren. Boo, that's not a real investor. Your heart is clearly not in this, sir. So just take a hike with your loser name. Smell you later. Oh, wow. The smell you later. The smell, wow. The smell you later from 87. Wow. Well, you know, you know, some of the, some of those investors, maybe they, maybe they have the old timey investors, you know, they use a quill pen yeah. at one point in their lives, mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> wrote on a, on a piece of parchment, a parchment that they, they rolled up, you know, is that it? Ian? That's it. We're done. We're done with, with the, the podcast. podcast. That was 90 minutes of fun and debauchery. There's no debauchery. We'll be back. Um, yeah, we got a got a convention in February. We'll talk about that soon enough. Yeah, and then looking uh, forward to that. And we'll be back back in the saddle with more fun and excitement. Ian's gonna have a writing up, and uh, I'll have a new Cleveland at Manus. I got to edit this weekend. So, good day to you, everybody. Toodles. <laughs>